the best brand of football in Idaho, this is the 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That is right. Welcome back. It's another edition of the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Breaking down the 8-Man game week in, week out in the state of Idaho. My name is Brandon Bainey. We are joined, as always, by the coach, Lane Kirkland. What's going on, Coach Kirkland? Hey, guys. Uh, must be uh, playoff time. Uh, it's it's raining and it's getting colder. It's beautiful out there. <laughs> yeah, that's only only a complete psychopath like you would say that's beautiful weather. <laughs> t-shirt weather now <laughs> yeah uh-huh all right tough guy well here's another tough guy it's the uh operator of the idaho eight man twitter account will henneke what's up will i'm a baseball coach man They're this this rain stuff forget that we can't play in rain we're soft wait i mean we need ideal playing circumstances <laughs> that's right hey where i live up in north idaho guys we had snow today so you know, we'll see what the playoffs have in store. But yeah, you're right, Coach Kirkland. It's like we turned the calendar here uh, into the postseason, and all of a sudden, Mother Nature kind of flipped that switch, and we got football weather now. A couple of couple of eleven man teams went soft, and they went inside Holt Arena this week uh, over in East Idaho. But uh, the true teams, Coach, they play outdoors, right? That's for sure. Yeah, you got to be a real man to play football outside. And of course, we say that all in, in joking and, and fun, of course. All right. We know everybody wants us to get to the brackets and break down all these playoff matchups. Before we do that, I wanted to take a, a quick peek back to the week that was. There were a couple of really fascinating games that had some major playoff implications. We kind of knew coming into the last week of the season, uh, you know, what teams were in, who was feeling pretty comfortable. I'm not sure Paul Kingsbury conveyed that very clearly in what was the, uh, <laughs> the muddled mess of a fill in show. I'm only kidding. Of course he did a great job filling in. You guys were awesome last week without me. I appreciate you guys, uh, carrying the ball while I was, uh, on the, uh, the leave list. Uh, but I wanted to highlight a couple of games of the week. Uh, and specifically, I think our, our top game of the week took place in, Clark Fork, where the Wampus Cats found themselves down by 20 points with 8.30 to play. Coach Kirkland, some idiot that was on the broadcast, me, said, well, looks like I'm headed to Worley for the opening round of the playoffs next week. Broke the number one rule in broadcasting. Next thing you know, Clark Fork has completed the largest comeback in school history to win 44 to 42. What an awesome moment for the Wampus Cats. Yeah, that must have got uh, that news must have got down to the sideline over there, and a uh, little motivation provided. Uh, what a great finish with ten with the ten seconds remaining. That's great football. Yeah, well, uh, there was a, a lot of uh, layers to the onion here that made this so impressive. First of all, coming into the game, Clark Fork was missing one of its most versatile players, Chase San Roman, uh, had a had an ocular accident where he was uh, riding riding bikes with his brother and a rock kicked up and hit him in the eye. And so he wasn't available to play. So already coach Patrick young having to adjust the game plan. Then during the course of the game, at one point, coach young looks over to the sideline and six of his eight starters are all being like tended to by the trainer <laughs> with different injuries. Coach young said at one point he turned to a freshman that they have been working in on the defensive line. And he said, Hey, can you play DB? 
And the kid's like, uh, no, I play D end. And coach Young's like, well, you're an athlete. Get out there and figure it out. We need a body. I mean, it was impressive just dealing with all the injuries too, Will. You know, I was talking to a, a different coach uh, earlier this week, and he said this time of year, you're never truly healthy. Um, you're, you're in survival mode. You know, who has the healthiest lineup, who has the healthiest bodies and, uh, for Clark Fork to overcome all those injuries against, you know, a pretty decent lakeside team, you know, to be able to come back and get that win and, you know, do it in the final minutes, have that big comeback. That's a, that's a pretty big statement for that program. Yeah. So Ethan Howard throws for 246 yards and five touchdowns in the comeback. Four of those came in the fourth quarter as they were uh, trying to rally. Uh, Coach Kirkland, have you ever looked over at the sideline in in a game that you've coached and, and have seen six of your eight starters all out with injury? Uh, I've had five starters out before in uh, 2017 against Dietrich, and that was tough going. We we, uh, we we threw everything at them that we could, including the freshmen and the managers. So whatever works, man. Yep. <laughs> You have to adapt for sure. And the other part that I thought was really impressive is I talked to Coach Young pregame for Clark Fork, and he said, yeah, we want to run the ball. We know they're physical. We like to think we're pretty physical. It's going to be smash mouth football. We want to run the ball. Well, you get down 20 with eight minutes to go. That game plan goes out the window. They switch to almost exclusively passing, and Ethan Howard, senior quarterback, was one of the guys that was banged up, and you could tell. Uh, I mean, he was he was giving it everything he had. The center for Clark Fork is having teammates yank on his shoulder after every play coach trying to get that shoulder pop back into place. I mean, it was like a mash unit with Clark Fork. What what does it say about the coaching staff that they were able to adjust the game plan to go from almost running 100% of the time to passing 100% of the time, and they were able to pull it off? That's not an easy switch to do midweek when you've prepared for a different type of game plan for sure um you know uh, obviously somewhere down the line someone was able to uh to play catch with one another um before that game and uh, it just uh, seemed like it worked in that particular game for him and and uh sometimes luck falls your way but you prepare for it along the way here and there and uh, and you hope that uh, you get a chance to be able to call those passes and 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 the guy catch it so way to go for sure. So that's our game of the week, the most exciting game. And it also happened to have the biggest playoff implications where the winner literally got to go to the playoffs and the loser did not. Clark Fork wins 44-42. Game tying touchdown comes with 10 seconds left. Ethan Howard finds the freshman Cameron Stewart. And then Cole Mintkin, who was on the offensive line to start the year. Now he's playing running back complete still with jersey number 52 running the rock for Clark Fork. He runs in the two-point conversion and Clark Fork survives 44 to 42 and we'll get to their first round match up here in a moment honorable mention game of the week though will takes us to uh district five six also in the 1a d2 ranks we talked about coming into the final week where there was the possibility of a three-way tie for second place and that second and final playoff berth between north gem Mackie and water springs with all three hypothetically beating each other and that's exactly how it played out north gem beat Mackie. Mackey beat Water Springs. Water Springs beat North Gem. So what it all came down to was a point differential. Now, they all lost by the maximum to Rockland. They all won by the maximum against Clark County. So really, it came down to, okay, when these three teams played head-to-head, you know, how did it shake out? And we saw that uh, coming in, Mackey needed to win by seven or more 
to get that second playoff spot, Will, and they won by eight. <laughs> what yeah. a job by Mackey. Isn't that wild to think about how an entire season, um, you know, it comes down to the second half where, you know, let's just say your water springs for a second, and I'm not saying this to pick on them at all. But at what point in that second half did their coaches say, you know, if we just would have gotten like one more touchdown somewhere along the line, maybe we're not in this mess. You know, if or North Jet, you know, Corey Hatch and and his kids, man, if we would have gotten a couple of two point conversions somewhere along the line, maybe we're not in this mess. It's just, it's crazy to think that a season where you know you're doing you're doing camps and you're doing workouts and you're doing drills all summer up until kickoff right around Labor Day, and here we are at the end of October talking about two points. Two points being the difference that that put Mackey into the playoffs. Yeah, and it came down to two points because North Gem beat Mackey by six, and then Water Springs uh, beat North Gem by six, and Mackey beats Water Springs by eight. Coach, have you ever seen a tiebreaker that razor thin before? That's pretty thin, you know. Games were won by on uh, by inches and sometimes by extra points. So uh, both applied. It sounds like this game. The two-point conversions are so critical in the eight-man game. It's not something we think about big picture, but a lot of times they do determine even strategy and how teams fall behind. Um, so the, for the game itself, I mean, it lived up to the hype. Mackey, 28. Water Springs, 20. Uh, Will, Water Springs led this game 20-6 to six in the first half. Uh, Corbin Nelson threw a touchdown to Nate D'Antoni. Uh, Elvin Lynn and Landon Reamer both scored rushing touchdowns for the Warriors. But then Mackey outscores Water Springs 22-0 the rest of the way, and it was with the Brulees, Taysen and um, Palin. Taysen throws a 20-yard touchdown pass to Palin with five minutes to play in the second quarter. It's 20-14. to Mackey gets the ball back. And then Taysen scores a 10-yard touchdown run to tie the game 20-20 at halftime. It stayed that way until the fourth quarter when Taysen found Palin again for what ended up being the game-winning score. And then, of course, the two-point conversion. But, I mean, Water Springs was up 20-6 to and had to have been feeling pretty good. Yeah, when you're up 20-6, to you got to feel like you're definitely in, in, in a good spot. But, um, you know... Coach Kirkland, you can attest to this. 20 to 6 in eight-man football is not much. You know, that's maybe 20 to 18 in in, in 11-man football. That that script can flip really, really quickly. It's a it's a credit to Mackey's defense, though, to be able to uh shut water springs down, gave up some early plays, gave up some early points, but shut it down and let their offense come back and, and get the win. Yeah, that was an incredible comeback for Mackey and uh, really impressive to see. So congratulations to the Miners for taking that second spot to the playoffs. And we'll talk about their first round opponent here in just a moment. The final game we wanted to touch on of consequence was this winner take all battle between Idaho City and Rimrock. Winner would get the second and final playoff berth from District 3 at the Class 1A D1 ranks. Will, second year in a row, Idaho City says, yeah, that's ours, and not particularly close. 60-20, to 20, they defeat Rimrock. Yeah, I was, uh, I was surprised by the spread, um, in part because Idaho City struggled on offense all year, but uh, Coach Rober and his kids, they found it on Friday and put up 60 points, and they got themselves into the playoffs, and there are some people who might have said – 
well, maybe you don't really want to be there because now they have to go play a really, really good Kamei team, which we'll talk about coming up. But, you know, when when you're put in one of those winner-take-all type situations, it's really hard not to go throttle down. And and the Idaho City kids did that, and they uh, they got they got it done. They found it when it mattered most and, and got a big win. And so Idaho City is kind of the big mystery team this year where – uh, typically we're able to find at least, you know, some stats online somewhere or a report to the local newspaper or even some film coach. I know you watch a lot of film during the season, not a nothing out there for Idaho city. So I've, I got a roster and I'm hoping that combined with what you remember from last year, because Idaho city had to play your carry Panthers in the first round last year. I'm hoping we can put together some sort of a profile here of Idaho City. What do you remember about this Wildcats program from last year? I know they were really prepared. Uh, Coach Rover always prepares those guys, and they're, they are a true family when they show up as their football team and all their fans. Um, that's just that's just how they live and how, how they function. So I think that when it's coming together, they're really stuck out the most to me. I had a couple really good uh, ball carrier Brody, something seems like his name was. Brody Bass. Yeah, he graduated. He was really skilled and and gave us some fits. But Coach Robert does a great job over there organizing things and getting getting them ready to play ball. And uh, and he certainly did again. Yeah, so I'll tell you that uh, they've got a couple of good seniors up front on the O-line. Dax Alvera. 5'11", 190. Mason Taylor, 6'1", 260. That always helps. And then they've got a litany of athletes that you'll recognize from other sports at Idaho City, like basketball, or I got to cover their baseball team last year, and I see so many familiar names like Tell Jewel and Trey Martini and Hayden Higgins and Jackson Herb and Jonathan Green. And I think they've got a lot of uh, speedy, dynamic athletes. They're not like the biggest guys necessarily, but their fleet of foot will. And I think that helps them in space. Yeah. If, as long as they can get into space, that's, that's the key. If you've got a, if you've got a strength like that, find a way to use it and find a way to exploit it. And uh, we'll get into their matchup coming up down the, you know, here a little bit later in the, in the podcast, but they've, they've got a tough assignment here, but the important thing is, and, it's a wise man once told me, and and nobody get offended when I say this. He said, I'd rather be the ugliest girl invited to the dance than the prettiest girl left at home. And there are a lot of people who would say, oh, we could beat Idaho City. We could beat Idaho City. Well, Idaho City's in the playoffs, and I don't think that they should be ashamed of it. I don't think they should be embarrassed of it, and I think that they should go up to Kamei uh, on, on Friday, and they should just let it all hang out. You want to talk about a team with literally nothing to lose? that would be the Wildcats. Yep. And that's, I, I like how uh, this transitions right into the bracket here, gentlemen. What I'm going to do is put the brackets up on the screen. And so when you're watching the video version of this on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel or Facebook page, you'll be able to follow along uh, on your screen. If you're listening at IdahoSports.com or wherever you download your podcast, it's all good. We've got the uh, state brackets right at the top of the homepage, <clears throat> excuse me, there as well. So here is the 1A D1 bracket, gentlemen. And right at the top, we see uh, they seed them one through eight based on the at large, uh, or excuse me, based upon the non district champions. And then they'll get reseeded again next week. So the top uh, <clears throat> non district champion was Kamii, and they will play the number eight seed, Idaho City. Will, you kind of already set the table for it. Coach Kirkland, I feel like Kamii is a team that everybody has been sleeping on this year. They, they kind of had an early 
you know, toe stubbing and that loss to Logos. And since then, they haven't lost. I mean, that's their only loss this year. They're seven and one. And I think a lot of people are sleeping on Kamiai if that's possible. They always seem to turn on the Jets uh, as the playoffs approach. And in the latter half of the season, it seems like they always can continue to find themselves year after year and just get better and better and better. And uh, you have to watch yourself um, if you're going up against a, a Kamiai team and not underestimate them from the earlier parts of the season. Um, they always seem to get something going there. I've, I've never uh, been able to coach against them or play against them, but uh, I've, I've seen them in the bracket, and they do very well when the postseason shows up. Well, this is a Kamii team that, A, runs the ball really well with Connor Weddle and Colton O'Kane and, and Dave Clute, the quarterback. He runs the ball pretty well also. Um, when they do go back to pass, uh, they do pretty well. They've got a freshman and Lawson Landmark who's really turned the corner uh, at wide receiver. But to me, the strength of this Kamii team really is its defense led by Porter Whipple, who I think is the best defensive player in eight-man football. He might be the best lineman in eight-man football period, offense or defense. He's a tremendous player. But um, you're, you're right in that they've played eight games this year and they've given up less than 10 points per game. It's, um, you know, their, their style of play. They're not an aired-out team. So they've got uh, a lot of wins that are comfortable, but they're not as maybe as eye-popping as some other teams because of the style of play. They do run the ball a lot. Uh, I would expect them to be, uh, you know, and, and another thing about Kamii this time of year, you talked about the weather up there. Kamii can be a little bit tricky weather-wise as we start getting later in the year. So I'd expect them to be pretty uh, conservative with their offense and just ride those backs and ride that offensive line. Um, that may help Idaho City stick around. And if Idaho City can land a couple punches, they can make it interesting. Uh, but I think I think Kamii just has too many athletes, and I think that their defense, and you look at some of those teams that, that they've beaten this year, you know, they've beaten Troy, Troy, they've beaten Potlatch, they've beaten Lapway, they've beaten some teams that can get up and down the field. They shut Potlatch out. Potlatch is averaging like 40-something points a game. Um so their defense, I think, is what's going to put them over the top on, on Friday against Idaho City. Yeah, you mentioned the field conditions. Last year, Butte County had to go to Kamii for the quarterfinals, and Kamii won 16-12. to 12. I, don't, I don't think the uniforms are still clean from that. They're still trying to get the dirt, the dirt and the mud stains out. It was just a muddy, mucky mess. And uh, yep. Where did Kamii run into trouble, Coach, last year? When they had to go inside that darn dome, Holt Arena, for the semifinals. They had stayed outside. I think they would have been okay. Yeah, there could have been a chance there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So uh, I think we all... Coach, is he playing an electric piano there? It sounds like he's going off pretty good there. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Sorry about that, guys. My internet hit a, a rolling blackout, as it were, up here. Uh, so, anyways, I was talking about Idaho City's loose. They have no pressure, but we we all like Kamii in this first matchup. Let's go to the next one here. Uh, the number two seed, at least for this round, is Grace. They will play the number seven seed, Carey. This is just what you wanted to see, Coach Kirkland, right? <laughs> Another matchup with Grace after playing him in the season opener each of yeah. the last two, two years. You bet. We need to we need to score a touchdown against these guys, maybe three or four, hopefully. <laughs> it's been a couple <laughs> games. That's been the, the joke here so far. But, uh, 
Yeah, uh, Grace is a, a strong team, a bunch of big kids, and uh, they seem to always get it going as well in the latter half of the year, even though uh, Kendrick took it to them. But uh, the, the Cary boys had a great game in Raft River and uh, a plus 11 turnover margin in the last two games against teams and uh, found themselves. And uh, I think this can be a good dogfight. Cary is on the road, which uh, is, is an advantage, of course, to Grace. But uh, we'll see what happens in this slugfest. Yeah, and I should mention the dates and times for all these games. So Idaho City is at Kamei Friday night, 7 o'clock. Carrie will be at Grace Friday night as well for a 6 o'clock kickoff. That game will be on IdahoSports.com. So you can tune in and uh, listen to all of the play-by-play there between the Panthers and the Grizzlies if you can't make the trip over to Grace. Well, for Grace, they're 5-3, and but their three losses are all to respectable quality opponents. Absolutely. including last week to Butte County in what was basically the uh, high desert conference championship. Butte County came out and kind of punched him in the nose a little bit. I think that's going to get grace refocused and um, anyone that's standing in their way, I think is going to get counter punched here. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see. And, and the great thing is, is we will be able to see it by, by watching it on auto sports on how grace responds because they've gotten a couple standing eight counts the last couple of weeks. Kendrick put it on them pretty good. And then Butte County put it on him pretty good last week. Now, meanwhile, on the other side, like Coach Kirkland was talking about, Kerry's kind of trending the other way. They started slow, and they've been playing much better football of late. So I think people might look at it and say, oh, five and three against three and five, and the five and three team already beat them by 32, 34, whatever it was in that season opener. You know, Grace in a walk. I don't think this is a walk at all. I think this is a, I think this is a great matchup, and if anything – I might lean a little bit towards Cary just because I think they're playing a little bit better football right now. Yeah, that game between Cary and Raft River was zeros for a really long time, all the way down to like, you know, the last couple of minutes of the second quarter, coach, and then boom, boom, a rushing touchdown. Uh, and then another rushing score by Nick Versus, and then a touchdown pass from Preston Wood to AJ Black. And all of a sudden it was 20 nothing Cary, like at halftime. Uh, in, in the blink of an eye, that's how quickly it turned. You tell me if I'm wrong here, Coach, but I I think Kerry really turned the corner when Nick Versus finally was back on the field and healthy. Yeah, they uh, they, they really found themselves uh, this last game and began to capitalize on turnovers. I mean, four interceptions and two fumble recoveries and capitalizing on those early to uh, to kind of get a 20 nothing lead there and then continue to roll the second half. It's going to give them a lot of confidence uh, to know they can put points on the board now and uh, and take that over to the Grizzlies and and see what happens. Um, the, the guys were wanting to know, is, is Paul broadcasting that game? <laughs> no. So it's actually going to be one of our East Idaho broadcasters, uh, Joel Richardson. Um, Paul is going to be uh, actually on the call of another game we're going to talk about <laughs> next. Uh, oh, actually, you know what? He got switched. He was going to do the Murtaugh Lighthouse game, but he he's going to do uh, only 11-man football this week, Coach. So, it's not Yeah. He, he had made a comment about hamburgers being good and carry and the football being bad. And, and that's all I heard the rest of the week in my room as players coming in. Who is that guy? What's he uh, talking about? People are fans, watching. People are watching. Yeah. And, and the fans, uh, the fans at Raft River came over and said, they're already sold out of hamburgers at Raft River. And we're playing good football coach. So, yeah. It was hamburgers all week. 
Oh, that's funny. You know, we have a lot of fun with the fan bases. Any, anything we say is always, uh, we love to be wrong is the number one rule here. Uh, when we make our predictions last year, Clearwater Valley played at Raft River in the quarterfinals and, uh, on the eight man prep cast, I predicted a Clearwater Valley win and I showed up at Raft River to broadcast that game. And after Raft River took it to the Rams, they, the fans sure let me know how wrong I was. Uh, so I'm glad to wear it when I'm wrong, but yeah, Paul, I thought was, uh, maybe a little over the line with that comment. That was pretty harsh last week, I thought. But Motivation, oh well. all they called it. <laughs> That's right. I, I think this game really comes down to the trenches. Um, Nick versus and company uh, and AJ Black versus Kai and Joe Clegg. I think that whoever can control the trenches in this game and establish their dominance up front is going to be the team that has the most success um, because both these teams are pretty similar actually in, in what they want to do. So I think it's going to be a really fun game. Carry at grace Friday, six o'clock on IdahoSports.com. I will note it is an audio broadcast, so you can tune in and listen to Joel paint the picture of what's going to happen, but that's going to be great uh, as well. So that'll be Friday night, six o'clock IdahoSports.com. The playoffs kick off for the second year in a row, gentlemen, with an eight-man district rivalry matchup on Thursday night, 7 o'clock. It's Lighthouse Christian at number six against Murtaugh at number three. Coach, this is the second year in a row that the Devils and Lions have played in in the regular season finale and then have had to turn around and play less than a week later against each other in the first round of the playoffs. Now, last year, Murtaugh won the regular season matchup. Lighthouse came down and got the win in the playoffs. What happens this year? <laughs> oh, man. It depends who's still hungriest and who uh, who wants it more to, as the season uh, finishes up here. Uh, I, I think Murta really, really slapped them around in this last game and really wanted to make a statement on their senior night at home. And uh, perhaps they'll want to make that same statement again. I don't think uh, Mr. Jensen will allow that uh, uh, the Lighthouse Lions to be victorious again this year. Yeah, well, the one the one big uh, asterisk on the matchups last year was Junior Benitez was not involved. He was out with an injury. Really? Yeah, he's playing. And uh, what did he do last week? Rushed for 302 yards and seven touchdowns. Yeah, that'll get it done. Yeah, he's dynamic. And he can do it in the passing game, too, when Sawyer Young drops back to throw. He's a, he's a valid uh, pass-catching target, not to mention a pretty good defensive back. He's a really good all-around player. And and when they're when the way it was said to me that I thought was a good way to to to, to put it is when when it's when it's good Murtaugh they've had, they've had a couple of games where they have not played up to their capabilities this year but when it's good Murtaugh they're they're tough to beat so if if good Murtaugh gets off the bus on Thursday um, it could be a long night for Lighthouse now with that said we also know that Lighthouse when they're playing well. They're tough to beat. So this has the potential to just be one of those rock'em, sock'em, you know, rootin', tootin', Wild West shootouts, 58-52. You know, on one side, you got Junior Benitez running for 300 yards. On the other side, you have Justice Schrader throwing for 400 yards. And, you know, the fans leave tired. You know, it, it, it has the potential to be that kind of game. Yeah, Uh Back to your analogy of stepping off the bus, I think Murtaugh's got that covered. It's a home game for them, so they don't even have to – they just walk to the field. They don't even have to get on the bus. <laughs> That'll be a, a good time for sure. Um, Coach Kirkland, I wanted to ask you about – so obviously last year, Lighthouse ended Murtaugh's season 
in Murtaugh in the opening round of the playoffs. I'm sure they've had the rematch, which happened last week, circled on the calendar all season long. Is that really a thing, or is that something we just narrate and make up in the media, the revenge factor? And we've had this game circled for a long time. Um, I, th- I think those do get circled and sometimes put on bulletin boards um, in locker rooms for uh, additional motivation. But, uh, it all, all depends. But uh, back-to-back is, is interesting and, and difficult to play. We've had uh, a lot of those over the year with North Jim and Rockland back in the day. And uh, you kind of get a slow start after you, after you beat them. You get a slow start that first half, the second game, um, for whatever reason. And then, then you get going. But uh, I think it's still a good slugfest between two really good teams with talented athletes. So they both have to show up. Yeah, definitely. I think Eileen Murtaugh in this game, just because we just saw them do it. And uh, I think with Junior Benitez, that was an element that they just didn't have last year. And for Lighthouse, they still seem to go through these lulls a little bit, Will, where the offense just kind of shifts into into a lower gear and they they're a high octane offense kind of like good Murtaugh bad Murtaugh right good lighthouse is is good um but there's just been too many times this year where the offense has kind of stalled out well they just they struggled a little bit last week they were a little bit flat they weren't their best selves uh Justice Schrader the great senior quarterback just did not have a particularly strong game I'm sure he'd be the first one to admit it so you talk about things that are circled he's probably had this circled you know, ever since he went to bed last Friday night saying, okay, I'm going to get my offense out there next week and we're going to do what we know we can do. And if they do, like I say, it's, it's, it's going to be, you know, you better not leave your seat to go get some popcorn. You might miss a couple of scores. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, you know, if, if this were like a big network and we were doing the promo for the game, you know, we'd show a player from each team and it would be, you know, Justice Schrader and the Lions take on Junior Benitez and the Red Devils. Neither one of those guys played in the playoff game last year. Junior, of course, got hurt in like week three of the season, but Justice Schrader had gotten hurt against Murtaugh the week before and did not play. Case Van Leeuwen moved from receiver to quarterback and and quarterback the Lions to the upset last year in the first round. So I'm really interested to see with both Junior and Justice playing in this game finally, you know, what it'll look like. This is a game that you can tune into and listen to on IdahoSports.com Thursday night at 7 o'clock to uh, kick off the postseason proper. The Thursday night football should be a good one. Our final first-round matchup to me is, is the most intriguing the five and the four potlatch finishes as the five seed. They'll travel to Valley, the four seed coach Valley went over to notice last week and, and won pretty convincingly over the pirates, the champions from district three. Yeah. I, and I am not shocked. Uh, that's a, that's a potent team um, and uh, loaded and just gaining momentum like crazy. Um, those kids are growing up really fast and they have great coaches um, Ayers has been there a while, and he knows how to build championship teams. He knows the right things to say, and uh, and just cutting those guys loose, and they're peaking at the right time. And uh, certainly showed uh, District Three that uh, number number three and four in District Four is still pretty potent and powerful on the road. And Will, on the flip side of that, Potlatch is a team that started hot this year and then ran into a couple of buzz saws in Logos and Cameo. Now we're about to find out is Potlatch good and Cameo and Logos are great or is 
Potlatch okay, and Kamii and Logos are, are just better. Uh, I think this is an intriguing battle of White Pine League versus Snake River Conference because two years in a row now, the Snake River Conference has gotten more teams into the playoffs than the White Pine. And so this is this is a good measuring stick to see where the two leagues actually stack up. It is, and they're, they're two teams that look pretty similar. If you, if you had them switch jerseys, I don't know if you'd be able to tell the difference. You've got a really good dual-threat dual quarterback on one side and Josh Hardy for Valley. you got a really good dual-threat quarterback on the other side for Potlatch and Jack Clark. Both of them are coached really well. Brian Ayers in Valley, Ryan Ball up in – in Kamii, and and you mentioned really the only two, the only two hiccups so far for Potlatch have been, you know, two of the top three or four teams in the state statistically. And Potlatch, you know, they're putting up over fifty points a game. They're explosive on offense. They have playmakers. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a great matchup because it's one of those where I can make a really compelling argument for either team without even really trying. It, I mean, it's you hope that it's one of those games that lives up to it, what we're seeing on paper, because what we're seeing on paper is, you know, back and forth, you know, down to the last two minutes and everybody in Hazleton and, you know, that sidelines there are going to be crazy. Everybody's going to be into it and you just know it's going to be an intense atmosphere and, and, and you really want to see the game live up to it because, you know, the teams uh, can put on one heck of a show for those fans. Yeah, I think this, uh, not to sound cliche, but I think this one comes down to turnovers. You know, which team can take better care of the ball? Because we know, we, we both know uh, Potlatch and Valley can both light it up and pile up the points, but who can take care of the ball the best? And, and what, maybe which team can steal a possession or two on defense, I think will be critical in this matchup. But these are all going to be really good first round games in the 1A D1 bracket. <clears throat> uh, before we moved on, gentlemen, uh, there's basically four weeks between now and the end of the season. We have filled out exactly half of our all-name team, so I want to every week now present a name uh, for consideration for the all-name team. And so then by you know, championship week, we've got a full eight-man roster on the all-name team. Does that sound like a good plan, guys? Sure. sure. Okay. So to refresh, so far we've, we've had four uh, players make it. Razor Duke from Butte County, Crash Taylor from Castleford. We had Lucky Matt from Lakeside. And then our most recent uh, selection of the team, Rocky Sauce from Notice. Now, those are all pretty good. I think it's going to be tougher to find those unique names uh, as we go from here on out. So I want to hear from all the eight-man fans. If you've got a if you've got a player you want to submit for the all-name team here between now and the end of the season, send it to Brandon at IdahoSports.com. And uh, I'll put it before the committee, and we'll see. <laughs> but... I wanted to go with uh, a player we're not going to be talking about because his team didn't make it to the postseason, but he's a fantastic player, and he had a great uh, regular season finale, and I'm talking about Bass Myers from Clearwater Valley. He's had a great season. You know, Clearwater Valley suffered through some injuries and didn't quite finish where they wanted to, but I wanted to give a shout-out to Bass Myers for the all-name team. Coach, what do you think? I, I think I could go with that. Uh that sounds good to me. I might even have a carry name for you if, if you like it. Uh, freshman kid, Madden Perks. Oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Big hair Mad and everything. Cool kid. That's awesome. Madden Perks. Madden I, can get, I can get with both those. Especially okay. Bass Myers and 
Kuski, where you've got the Clearwater River right there. I don't know if they have bass in that river or not, but it just fits. It fits. Yeah, a great, a great fishing town and having a kid named Bass on your team. Yes. All right. So look at that. We got a bonus one. We got Madden Hertz from Cary, Bass Myers from Clearwater Valley. Two spots left on the all-name team. I want your submissions. Send them to Brandon at IdahoSports.com, and we'll hand out those final two spots on the all-name team here over the final uh, four weeks of the season. Okay, let's move to the 1A D2 bracket. Uh, we should, oh, we should mention too the one, a D one bracket, your district champions all got buys in the first round. That would be, uh, Butte County and Oakley and notice and Logos. So they all get to enjoy the buy rest up and, and refresh. Okay. So here's the one, a D two bracket, kind of the same four of the five district champions got first round buys Mullen, St. Regis, Kendrick, Camas County, and Rockland. And now here are the matchups. We'll start at the top here where Mackie, we talked about how they got in uh, by, by two points, literally into the playoffs. They will travel to Hagerman. Both of these teams finished in second place in their respective divisions this year. Coach, I would say that Mackie wants to keep the game somewhat low scoring, whereas Hagerman wants to get out and run a little bit. Yeah, it, uh, it's just a great uh, opportunity, great privilege for Hagerman to be able to host. It's been quite a while since uh, they've, they've had a playoff game at their house and uh, and hungry and have a good team, a good solid run team. Uh, uh, Mackey will have to hang in there and uh, and give punches when they can and just hold on and, and maybe run that clock down to the very edge there. But uh, Hagerman uh, looks to be a, a strong contender in that one and, and pretty hungry right now. Yeah, I wanted to pick your brain on that too, Coach, because you're a good historian of the eight-man game, but it seems like it wasn't that long ago that Mackey and Hagerman were, you know, some of the premier programs. They were always in the playoffs. They were always competing. And then they both kind of, as, as happens in the eight-man game, they kind of went into a lull, but they're back on the upswing. And so how exciting is it to see two historically good programs like Mackey and Hagerman back in the playoffs duking it out? Yeah, I, I wonder if old uh, Jack McKelly will show up and uh, Lonnie Punkhars will be on the sideline chatting with each other, eating a hamburger, Paul, and uh, enjoying the game uh, from those two old programs. I think Hagerman's championship was in 2013 uh, or 14 or so, and then they, they kind of went away for a while, and I remember last playing Mackey in 2011 or so. But uh, it's pretty cool to have that these guys matching up again, um, uh, some great history. Yeah. Well, what, uh, and you know, the history a lot here too. Uh, Mackie of course has co-opt a couple of times over the past couple of years. They did the lost rivers thing with Butte County. They played with chalice last year. It's great for Mackie to stand on their own and go, here's our team and look what we did. Yeah. And they've got really good athletes. Uh, you know, I, I had coaches telling me back in week three, week four, you know, don't just put Rockland and North gem in that Mackie team is going to have something to say about it before it's all said and done because they've got some they've got some talent and I think it's going to be important for them you know against a good Hagerman team Mackey can hit some home runs too with you know the Bruley to Bruley connection in in the passing game um, I think it's going to be important for them to be able to control the control the ball a little bit control the line of scrimmage maybe run a little clock and I'm not saying go four corners and stall um, but you you might want to try and limit Hagerman's possessions a little bit. And, you know, if you can go on a good eight, nine, 10 play drive and take three, four, five minutes off the clock and get a touchdown, 
that's that's going to be a big thing for them because defensively they've been okay. Uh, they've they've done some good things on defense, but uh, you know, stepping up a level in the playoffs, everything gets a little bit tougher. Everything gets a little bit tighter, and it, it's going to be interesting to see how these two teams respond to the lights being just a little bit brighter than they were last week. Yeah, and and they've got. Uh, you know, the pirates have what I, what I've dubbed the four horsemen of Hagerman. You know, you talk about Wyatt Maven camp and Wyatt Hoskovec and Kai Kendall and uh, Martin Gonzalez and uh, all four of them uh, all take turns, you know, sharing the load and it's made Hagerman really tough to game plan for, uh, for opposing coaches. So good luck to both teams. I think Eileen Hagerman here, they are the team at home. And they have they have more uh, players available too than Mackey does, so I'll go Hagerman there. Uh, the winner of this game would play uh, Mullen St. Regis. So either way, long trip north for the winner of this one. So we will wait and see. This game will be Friday night, seven o'clock in Hagerman. Um, okay, another Thursday night game, gentlemen. Uh, below it, Council, the district champions from District Three. They won the Long Pin Conference. They will play Dietrich, the number three seed out of District 4. This game will be Thursday night in council, 6 o'clock. This is a game that you can watch. That's right, watch on idahosports.com. So what a great way to kick off the postseason. Coach, Dietrich is not your typical three seed out of District 4, though. I think we've, we've said all year District 4 is probably, in terms of teams at the top, the best conference in the league. And so Dietrich's kind of a dangerous third-place team. They are, and, uh, and it is playoff time, and you know that they will uh, go over there, stepping up their game, and uh, and bring their very best to coach uh, Estelle. Um, they are on the road, facing a great council team, but uh, I think Dietrich will will represent and give everything that they got, and uh, and show that double pride, and uh, do their best to advance uh, to one more round. And Will, we talked about Dietrich and, and the talent that they bring. And unfortunately, sometimes uh, Lady Luck on the bracket can be cruel because Dietrich is a, a team, I think, if they were slotted somewhere else, uh, maybe ha- has a better chance of getting on a deep run. But with Council in the way right away, out of the gates, that'll be a tough matchup. Oh, it'll definitely be a tough matchup. And it's one that I, like, when I saw that one come out, I was really interested to see because. Well, two reasons. Number one, see how Dietrich bounces back after getting it taken to him pretty good last week by Camas County in basically a de facto conference championship game. How do they bounce back? But the other thing I'm really intrigued with when it comes to council, uh, you know, this is a team that that's six and three. They went five and zero oh in the long pin. When they went outside the long pin play, they got they got kicked in the shins a couple of times pretty good. So, you know, how do they respond by, you know, seeing Dietrich uh, instead of uh, a long pin team where they had tremendous success this year? Now, they played some really tough teams when you're talking about their three losses are Kendrick, Kamii, and Butte County. So I don't know that it's really fair to say, obviously, you know, they stink outside of the long pin. I think most of the state of Idaho would go 0-3 against those three teams. But how are they able to step up when it really matters here with a good opponent and weather could be a factor tomorrow night up in, in council when they play this game. Yeah, it seems like weather's always a problem in council. It was last year in the uh, quarterfinals against uh, Castle Ford, of course. Um, and so 
Coach, I wanted to get your opinion on this as well. Logan Green, who was uh, helping fill in last week, has seen Council a couple of times with his own eyes. He's seen Camas County with his own eyes. And he he's flat out told me that, hey, I, I think Council beats Camus. I've seen both teams with my own eyes. I'm wondering what you think of, I know they're not going to probably end up facing off, but Council versus Camus in terms of everybody says Kendrick is the best team. And then depending on who you ask, a lot of people say Camus might be number two, or some people say Council. I, I think Council's going to have to prove it in this game to convince me that they, they can beat Camus by uh, by blowing Dietrich out if that's if that's possible. But uh, I think Dietrich's going to have some quick shots to uh, to announce and give right away in that first half to uh, to put points on the board. But uh, I'm beginning to respect Council more and more as the season has gone along, and uh, especially after that uh, the beating they put on Garden Valley the other week, that was very impressive and making a statement that they want to represent District 3 as 3A, the number one seed there, and uh, and and continue to uh, to push their way through here. But I think they got to beat Dietrich handily for me to be convinced that they can beat Camas County because Camas is, is rough. Those guys are dudes. And, of course, the winner of this game does not get Camas County. They get Kendrick. So, hey, if you're going to beat Camas County, you know, you're going to have to beat Kendrick, too, at some point. So uh, good luck to both Council and Dietrich. This is Thursday night on IdahoSports.com, 6 o'clock kickoff. That is uh, 6 o'clock Mountain Time. All right, speaking of Camas County, they get a first-round bye. They will await the winner of Clark Fork and Garden Valley. Gentlemen, this is the game that I will be at on Friday night. I had such a great time in Clark Fork last week. I'm headed back up to Wampus Cat Country, gentlemen. Uh, as long as they'll have me, of course, you know, comments about the game being over, notwithstanding. Um, this is an interesting matchup to me. Clark Fork, of course, second place from District 1. Garden Valley kind of stubs their toe a little bit, loses to Tri-Valley. Now, the final score of that game was a little deceptive, I feel like. You know, when you look at the final score, you see Tri-Valley last week beats Garden Valley by a final of 32-20. to 20. Um, So it's a two-score win, Coach. But a touchdown came for Tri-Valley with about 30 seconds to play in the first half of action, and then they scored again with about 10 seconds remaining in the game. So those two scores at the end of both halves really was the difference. And honestly, if I'm looking at the draw, Tri-Valley – for their win is rewarded with a home game against Lewis County garden Valley for their loss has to travel and they have to travel a long ways, but I think I'd rather take my chances with Clark fork than Lewis County only because we've already seen Lewis County push tri Valley to the brink. So to me, garden Valley got a, a pretty decent matchup in terms of having to go on the road and play somewhere. I, I think I agree with that. Uh, you know, to, to, to squeak out the win like Clark Fork did says a lot about their program and then some good things on their side that's going to help them out. Um, sometimes that luck does fall in your favor and you, and you pick up a team where it's a good matchup. It's a it's a, a game where you feel like you can probably get the win out of it, even though it's clear up on the road. But however, I'm, I'm impressed with Clark Fork's play and uh, Garden Valley is going to have to be on their game and limit the turnovers and, and play a clean game up there on the road. So we'll see what happens. And that's kind of been the bugaboo for Garden Valley this year, Will, is sometimes they do uh, turn the ball over and, and kind of get into these droughts offensively, as it were. 
Yeah, interested to see what the weather is going to be like up there. I mean, you're practically in Canada up there at Clark Fork. You're way up north, and it can get a little bit dicey up there in that in that region as the as the fall trends towards winter. And the one big advantage that that I see that Garden Valley would have over Clark Fork is you have Tacoma Kelly, and you have Caden Zimmer, and you have Max Yearsley, and you have Trevor Corn, and and and. They've got a lot of athletes, but if the game is a slog, if it's, you know, if the field conditions are not great and it's just get behind your pads and push the pile forward and Trevor Corn's carrying the ball 40 times for 200 yards, okay, that that takes away some of Garden Valley's natural advantage. Um, though, I mean, they're certainly no strangers to playing in, in iffy weather themselves in Garden Valley. It's not like it's always 80 and sunny there. Uh, um, but I, I think that if the weather conditions are not good, that levels the playing field quite a bit for Clark Fork because most of the year, you've said it yourself, they like to play a little bit more of a deliberate pace. They they want to run the ball, whether San Roman's able to be back or not. That's something they want to do. And if they can shorten the game, they can absolutely steal a win. That's going to be the key. I think that's where it all hinges is up front. Can Clark Fork's offensive line, you know, Seth Caven and this really good sophomore center, Owen Howard, um, can they neutralize what I think are probably the, the, the best pair of defensive linemen, at least in 1AD2, in Trevor Korn and Trustin Brown? Those guys are legit. I've seen them with, play with my own eyes twice last year. Um, and I know that they are tough to to run the ball against and even tougher when you drop back to pass. So if Clark Fork can neutralize those guys, um, I think, like you said, the game plan is shorten the clock, keep Tacoma Kelly off the field on offense and 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 try to uh, try to, as you said, steal a win there. But um, I do think this is a good spot for Garden Valley going on the road. And after saying that, I'm sure I'll never be allowed back in Clark Fork again ever. <laughs> That'll be Tell them I'm the one who said it. Blame me. <laughs> that'll be friday night seven o'clock pacific time eight o'clock mountain for all the garden valley fans on idahosports.com and our final matchup is tri-valley and lewis county winner of this will play rockland i mean this is the best matchup i think you you can go 5a all the way down to 1ad2 coach the way this game ended just two weeks ago where tri-valley walked it off with a touchdown as time expired to win 62 to 56 this to me is is the game. This is the most exciting first round matchup. Yeah, it's uh, these these games that keep having repeat games here against each other are uh, a lot of fun and uh, very exciting. And you always you, you love to see that in the bracket. And then uh, hopefully we get to hear or watch that one as well. Uh, it should be another great shootout to see who makes the most adjustments or stays the same, stays the course, and just uh, forces their own will. Will, what do you think happens in the rematch? Just we talk about it's hard to beat the same team twice in in one year, but this one was such a coin flip where it was ended on the last play. It's hard to say if anybody really gleaned anything or had momentum from that first matchup. No, I mean because they were they were more or less punch for punch the whole way through. I think that uh, you know Gage Warren was not one hundred percent for Tri Valley in that first meeting. If he's in a better spot, and, and he played, and he was he was fine, but he clearly wasn't as explosive as we know he can be. If he's able to be more of a factor in this game health-wise, that's a bit of a tilt in the favor for Tri-Valley, not to mention the fact that the, the game is in Cambridge once again. 
So Lewis County is going to have to make that trip down. But Lewis County, you take out about a three-week stretch early in the year where they had some players out with injury. They've been good. Like, they've been a legitimately good football team, and nobody's really figured out, you know, the the direct snap to Gage Crow is 1AD2's version of the Philadelphia Eagles tush-push. Nobody's really figured out how to stymie that yet. And until they do, if I'm Monty Madrell, I'm just going to be like, okay, here's our play. Snap it to Gage and go block somebody, and he'll just run. On one, ready, break. Um, they've got some other players who can do some things. The, uh, the player who I think uh, can really help Lewis County's, um, can really help their cause quite a bit with a big game is Nick Kirkland, um, senior two-way lineman, big, strong kid. Um, and if he's able to wreak some havoc in the trenches, particularly defensively, where it's a little bit tougher for Tri-Valley to get outside, um, then that could be a big, big boost to Lewis County's chance to get a win. Last team with the ball wins. <laughs> I mean, that's how it went the first time. We'll see how the rematch goes. This will be a fun one in Cambridge on Friday night at 7 o'clock. And, and guys, I will throw in a disclaimer here. Uh, when it comes to the postseason, broadcasting plans can change on on a dime depending on what uh, the other broadcast entity that broadcasts postseason games decides to do. So what what I've said we're covering may change. The surefire way to be sure is to click on the game streams tab on the homepage at idahosports.com, and that'll have all of your up-to-date info. And, of course, you'll want to check back at idahosports.com for all the updated scores and brackets and schedules all weekend long as well. But but we've arrived, gentlemen. It is the postseason. Coach, you got any postseason traditions you like to do? Mm. When? <laughs> I, have to think, I have to think for a minute on that. I'm not sure. I usually don't sleep. <laughs> I, I think that's that <laughs> what's that I, I usually don't sleep at all but I'm not interested in that this year so I'll just watch <laughs> that sounds good I think I asked you the same question at the start of the year did you, do you have any start of season traditions you said the same thing no sleep <laughs> so yeah you'll you'll be well rested for sure uh will what uh what are you going to be doing for the first round of the playoffs you're just going to be hunkered in locked into idahosports.com that's the plan at this moment. That's the plan. The weather not being super great is a factor. There aren't that many games around here. I live in the west end of the, the Boise Valley. Uh, so I basically council and Tri-Valley are my two options. Um, so maybe maybe we try and take in one of those, but that's a couple-hour drive, uh, hour and a half, two-hour drive. So we'll see. It, having the ability to listen to some other games and see some other games, that's – and doing it inside, you know, with a heater. Um, that sounds pretty appealing. Yeah, you can't beat that. So uh, it's going to be a great weekend of postseason football. Good luck to all of the teams that are competing here in the opening round of the playoffs. And it all starts on Thursday night when Council hosts Dietrich and Murtaugh hosts Lighthouse Christian. And then all the rest is on Friday, but it should be a good time. So uh, we'll be back again next week to talk about the first round and get you ready for the quarterfinals as well. So uh, for Coach Lane Kirkland and Will Henneke, I'm Brandon Bainey. Thanks for tuning in to the Idaho 8-Man Prepcast, everybody, on IdahoSports.com.